I'm Jay Rosenthal. I'm Krista Raymer. And this is Pod of Flowers, the official podcast of Hall of Flowers. We are at Pod, we're at Hall of Flowers Day 2, Toronto Show 2, mm-hmm. and we are here with... Ornus Lamalek, uh, Head of Innovation and R&D at uh, Organigram. Love it. We're going to dive into that. Before we do, I was telling you before we came on that I yeah. know most about how cannabis grows from a trip to Moncton, New Brunswick. I think it was like early 2018. Yeah. And we walked into the facility, me and my business partner, and we're like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? Yeah. Tell us about the facility that is Organogram HQ. So from 2018 to now, we've actually expanded a great deal. <laughs> um, what's unique about Organogram is we've got the kind of closed system rooms, right? So everything is a closed environment, micro environment for a flower. Uh, we currently have 144 rooms, of which 115 are flowering rooms. And then there's pre-veg and various other processes, but it's an amazing facility. We like to call it Weedy Wonka's Weed Factory sometimes, uh, because it is this crazy space with all of this beautiful organization uh, and then just absolutely spectacular flower coming out of it, right? Yeah, so. it really is spectacular. And I'll speak, I'm not a Moncton, New Brunswick native, but it is a, a really important part of the community of Moncton, New Brunswick, and New Brunswick overall? We employ about 1% of the entire greater Moncton area. Yeah, I so believe it. It's a lot. Yeah. That's a very significant it's presence a, in a community. For sure. It's a really big team. Yeah. That, that's just the direct employees. That's not even including all the different auxiliary services that support our business, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So you're here at Hall of Flowers. <laughs> Absolutely. What brought you to Hall of Flowers this year? Because well, you have an interesting role to be here also. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Um, obviously, we're here launching a lot of products. We're participating, um, but for me, it's it's just amazing to be here, being head of product essentially for our organization, seeing kind of all of our products here, which is where you know they're about to hit the market. They're actually hitting the retailers and our amazing partners. That to me is super special, and uh, you know we tend to work sometimes six, nine, eighteen months upstream, and seeing all of this live is absolutely fantastic, right? Yeah. You have an interesting role too in that being here because you also would hear feedback from retailers Absolutely. around previous products and being focused on innovation and now yeah. saying, okay, like, what information can we learn about how we've presented in market? What yeah. are we bringing to market? And like you said, if we're working eight or nine months out in terms of product, I can imagine that you're like a year and a half to two years ahead yeah. in, in thinking up here. Totally. Our pipeline right now is already starting to hit uh, F25. Oh. So we're working that far ahead. But the way our pipeline works is that, you know, you've got disruptive products um, and then you've got, you know, your base core portfolio of regular products, blends, pre-rolls, flour, etc. right? And so events like this and being able to speak to retailers who are also consumers, you know, our partners, our customers about feedback on the product, we're constantly taking that feedback away and plugging it in. Um, you know, it's at events like this that discussions of guava, as an example, came up and everybody was all over guava trending. And then we started looking into it and we contacted some flavor houses around the world. And next thing you know, we've got a whole bunch of SKUs that are have a guava profile, like our uh, THCV guava lime go time that's coming out in a few months, right? Yeah, I okay. like that. From a, I, I have so many questions around the, okay. the <laughs> flavor profiles. And now Jay's like, okay, Krista, go <laughs> No, home. no, I but, like flavor profiles. I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> we were talking yesterday and we were actually yeah. talking, um, somebody that was on the, was saying that blueberry is a decisive, divisive, divisive flavor. Yeah, guava 
Mm -hmm. What what are some of the things that you look at either inside or outside of cannabis to be like, this is something that we should yep. pay attention to? Yep. So our our team, the innovation R&D team is basically a seed to finish good product team, right? So we look at everything from breeding and phenotyping, plant science, uh, extraction, food and sensory science, new product development, and then the handshake happens to our marketing team, which takes over with commercialization, right? So when it comes to flavors and consumer insight, marketing feeds us that consumer insight, flavor trends, et cetera. And then we as innovation R&D people, we work with companies like Firminic and Givaudan. We take a look at global and local flavor trends, not just in cannabis, but also in food and other consumer packaged goods. So if you remember two years ago, everybody was launching uh, Blood Orange as an example, right? Blood Orange was in every vape. And yuzu. It, yuzu fruit <laughs> was another one, yeah. right? So those types of trends, sometimes we'll say, okay, guava is coming up. Guava is such an interesting flavor. It's obviously tropical, but it's got these very complex notes that are not your usual, you know, pineapple, pina colada, coconut style flavors, right? And so that's trending globally. And so we'll look at everything from dairy, yogurt, CPG companies, and just see like what's out there. And then we figure out how to apply it. One of my, you know, kind of go-tos in terms of activating consumers and bringing new people to the cannabis industry is really about figuring out like what is trending and what do they love consuming. And there's certain things that the flower can create based on the various terpene profiles, but with derivative products specifically, if you can say, hey, strawberries are in, let's focus on strawberries, you're creating a comfort level for consumers, right? So. Touch points. Touch like points. you create familiarity or there or yeah. you are aware that the customer is already experiencing yeah. familiarity somewhere else. Like the summer that Yuzu edibles were all over every campus yes, store. Absolutely. Also PC, President's Choice had those Yuzu commercials yes. about um, the I think they were the the cheese based desserts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a user coding. There was a user coding on a cheesecake. Yes, uh, there was yeah. user teas. There was even a Kit Kat flavor in Japan yes. with yuzu on it, which was just spectacular, by the way. So, well, I want, can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, it, it lends itself to innovation. <laughs> ask me. Like the industry is is newish. Yeah. Right. And Organogram is a bigger player in yeah. that, right? Um, and and generally, in other sectors, we're like, well, the real innovation can come from smaller companies that are more nimble. But in, in instances like this. Innovation almost has to come from bigger companies. Like you have to be very willing to innovate and upend the apple cart because yeah. things change rapidly, right? Absolutely. And so to be in a position where you say, look, guava's trending, we're gonna reverse engineer, right? Yeah. Like guava products yeah. and do it quickly so we're in the market while the trend is happening, not three months after it's gone. Exactly. Right? Like I think there's there must be a almost an ethos of the company that like we have to do this and have to do it quickly. Absolutely. Or else we're gonna miss this boom. Well, the way we built out our team, funny enough, and that's a great point, is our team is equal measure, um, just absolutely brilliant scientists and also legacy market people, right? Because what I've learned in my four plus years in the cannabis industry is that you have to have that balance. And so what that means is that we can be nimble, we can capture trends, but then we also do it in a very disciplined, rigorous, scientific way, right? And that's how, that's how we're able to move quickly. Yeah. And thinking about also when you go outside of trends. Yeah. Right, like you have products in your product portfolio that was completely outside of For trend, sure. like with shred, yes. completely outside of really product trend and what I think a lot of people would have looked at the historical data and said, this product is going to make sense. Yeah. And it Blows performs up. in a yeah. way that 
I don't think anybody really anticipated when it came to market. Shred was at the forefront. It answered a clear, clear consumer uh, consumer needs. Um, uh, Jolts uh, was a very clever, I think, very strategic product. Rip strips this year is another kind of fresh and new take on how we develop hash as an example. Um, hash actually, funny enough, like hash and concentrates is one of those underdeveloped categories. Um, and it kind of lives in this legacy world. And I'm a hash guy, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hash. And years and years ago, I tried to kind of set up a hash business, right? So when we bought Laurentian uh, in Lac Superior, which was kind of a core hash business with their beautiful temple balls, we set aside uh, some time to actually see how do we reinvent hash, right? And so Ripstrips is a great example of a product that that goes against every single traditional, historic, legacy thinking about hash and creates a completely new, convenient, flavor-forward, banging product, right? And it actually brings in a completely different consumer because we realize there's you know, a space in the portfolio for legacy consumers that have a product that they expect, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a space in the portfolio for people who want to try something new, something that's going to change their ritual and their experience, right? Your, your, um, I have so many thoughts, but the one of the things when you look at the data from California, because we have a much longer data sample of yep. products that sell through, concentrate products actually show as some of the most loyal customers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about also when you're thinking about innovation, you're also thinking, I'm assuming, and you can yeah. tell me, but around how do you develop a product and then bring the customer through newness, Absolutely. what you're talking about and thinking about creating some level of loyalty throughout your portfolio, yeah. which may transcend brand at time, I yeah. would assume, but ultimately in thinking about when and what points. Yeah. And I think these pivotal products start to show up as opportunities or indicators in your own data yeah. around being like, we might have a loyal customer right here yes. when they go to purchase a product like X. Exactly. We have, so in addition to our R&D and innovation, we just have an absolutely amazing marketing and research and insights team that are always looking for new angles and new ways to activate the consumers. So Ripstrips is a great example where we had this idea of what we wanted to do and we built a hash bot that was going to actually execute on this. And then our research and insights and our marketing teams came in and gave it that extra push to be able to bring in the consumers and understand that, right? So it's a partnership. Um, I was talking to a retailer earlier. Uh, I think they're in Peterborough, Ontario. Right. Yeah. And we're I, was, I was asking about the show and what you like to see and, and then what consumers are buying. And yeah. what, this one, you know, this is anecdotal, not data. And she said, people, are, people buy shred. That's the one thing she said. Yeah. I said, she said, we have some high level customers, we have people who vote, but our most loyal customers are buying basically large format yeah. um, all the time. And they yeah. buy other things too, but like they are buying shred. Yes. Like the, yeah. I, I know that there's, there's the best thinking, there's the best research, there's the best innovation. Yeah. There's like, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be great. And then, then it is, yeah. or like all of a sudden it's, people are gravitating towards it. Is, yeah. A, is that rewarding? And is there always some level of surprise that all the best planning was like? Yeah. People love Shred, it. Shred captured a moment, yeah. right? But Shred also is an indication of the type of quality that we have in our flower. Because we have these small three-tier rooms with a controlled environment, humidity, temperature. I've climbed up the ladders, by you, the way. You went to the third, I have a picture somewhere. Yeah. Nice. And it's nice. like, I was like, I can't, why am I allowed to climb up on these, basically weed ladders? <laughs> like, you know, do you ever see pictures? Like, yeah. it's, 
it's a it's an amazing room, and then yeah. there are three tiers, and you climb a ladder. Yeah, so unsafe. For me, unsafe. It's a really you have to come, and yeah. it's a it's a really interesting space because everything is so controlled, right? Yeah. And so when you have this small room with a controlled environment, humidity, temperature, watering, etc., you're also getting flour that retains a lot of the terpenes, right? And so our shred blend is just really good aromatic, strongly flavored blend. And I think that's what keeps bringing the consumers back. And then we took some cues from other industries. I'm actually traditionally from the tobacco world, right? And so the shred blend has a very complex blend of different cultivars. So Tropic Thunder, Narberry, Funkmaster are actually a combination of different cultivars in certain proportions so that you get batch to batch consistency. It means that if you buy Shred Tropic Thunder today and you buy it 12 months from now and you open it up, it's always going to have that, that beautiful so aroma, yeah. right? Yeah. So much so that there's these conspiracy theories on Reddit that we spray it with Terps. No such thing. This is just regularly grown flour from Heard our brooms. Yeah, it's here first. It's hard to combat the Reddit though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know exactly. Exactly. Reddit is the engine that could. Right, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Unbelievable. But it is. I mean, it is. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, I have a view of like pre-legalization to now. Yeah. And there, I'm gonna say this. Like, some of the companies that were like Organogram, like yeah. relative size, relative scale, haven't made it. Yeah, for sure. Through for sure. to now, at least in the same. Right, either they basically stop growing weed, yeah. right, or they're yeah. doing something else, or they're like, they're looking at other markets. Like, yeah. what is it about Organogram as a company, a culture? Not that it hasn't had changes, yeah. but like, it still is growing, producing flour, yeah. producing other products. Like, are actually like, the game plan doesn't look that different today as it did then, even though there's mm -hmm. been right ups and downs. But like, talk a little bit about that. Is that a company culture? Is that like, what, what do you, how do you attest for that? You know, the secret, the secret sauce for Organogram, I would say, is one, <clears throat> we do move quick, or at least that's what everybody sees, right? But we actually are extremely disciplined and internally we're extremely conservative. And when a lot of companies were expanding and building capacity and Excellent. moving at a breakneck rate, we were adding, you know, a block of 10 rooms here and a block of in 20 a building rooms you own. here. Right. Yes, exactly. And it all stayed concentrated in Moncton, right? Yeah. And Granted, eight years later, we have the Winnipeg uh, uh, Gummies facility, we have the Laurentian Craft facility, but we've stayed pretty tight. And then the people themselves, I mean, our turnover of our core team is extremely low. Um, we've got people that are just extremely passionate about cannabis, as, as everybody is, um, but we've got people who are extremely collaborative. There's an East Coast vibe that brings this passion, but also this collaboration together, and we just jive together. We vibe very well, right? Man. We're booking our it, flights to Moncton. Yeah, we're coming. <laughs> Set up the cameras. Now. You are always welcome to come for a tour of our facility. Awesome. We've uh, built out a lot since 2018. I'm sure. I'm so. sure. But even then, like, I, and I don't, I can't overstate this. Like, it was like unbelievable to see. It is a cool place. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Okay, yeah. we've been asking one kind oh, of yeah. consistent question. Yeah. What's one thing that you want to learn today? Oh gosh, my biggest objective today is really talking to all of the partners. I want to learn how their business is doing, um, what's new, what are some of the pain points that they're feeling, right? Um, the reality is, is that it's been a grind the last few years for everybody, whether you're large or small. Um, and, you know, we need to collaborate. And so I'm actually here to shake hands and to meet people and see how we can collaborate. Um, I, did a, I did a presentation a few weeks ago about just sustainable packaging, eco-packaging, and I kind of did a call out to everybody, like, if you're thinking about, you know, bio-packaging and things like that, come see me, 
So the biggest thing I want to learn is I want to find people that we can collaborate on things together as an industry, right? That's legit. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why we're here. That's why we're Collaboration. here. Collaboration. <laughs> right? Hall right. of Flowers. Hall of Flowers. <laughs> we're here first. Uh, Borna, thank you so much for making time. We enjoyed no the conversation and uh, we'll thank see you, you in Moncton. Uh, <laughs> you're on, please. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. That's great.